I suggest that we can prove the existence of God from the impossibility of the contrary. As Christians, we do not give up our intellect. The strongest evidence and argument for the existence of God is that without a belief in God, you can't prove anything. How can the law be material? That's the question I'm going to ask you. I would say no. And can you give me an example of anything other than God that's immaterial? Welcome to the Revealed Apologetics podcast. I'm your host, Elias Ayala, and here at Revealed Apologetics, Our goal is to equip believers to defend the Christian faith, and we want to equip you to do it in a way that is honoring to God and faithful to Scripture. So sit back, relax, get your thinking caps on, and let's dive into our topic for today. Welcome back. In our last podcast, we talked about the biblical foundation for apologetics, and we took a look at some scriptures, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, and Jude chapter 1, verse 3. And um, if you're interested in, in the biblical grounds for doing apologetics, you might want to take a look at the previous podcast. Well, today, um, we're going to be talking about something obviously related to apologetics, and that's the issue of worldviews, all right? Um, understanding that everyone has worldviews is very, very important, right? We do not want to engage in argumentation with an unbeliever um, while not recognizing that one of the reasons why there is disagreement between the believer and unbeliever is because they have different views of reality. They have different worldview uh, lenses, so to speak, through which they view all of reality. So um, the issue of worldview is going to become very, very important when we're doing apologetics. Well, let me give you uh, two definitions of, of a worldview. I'm going to give you a, a kind of a layperson definition, and then I'll give you kind of a more technical definition, which highlights, I think, the essential aspects of what constitutes a worldview. Okay? So what is a worldview? A worldview is a, get ready, a view of the world. Okay, that's the the simple uh, definition of what a worldview is, how you view the world. They are the intellectual lenses, so to speak, through which everything is filtered. Uh, Depending on what kind of glasses, intellectual glasses you're wearing, you're going to see and interpret the world around you in a certain way. And so, for instance, if I'm a Christian, which I am, and I'm wearing an intellectual pair of glasses um, that are of the Christian sort, then everything I see in human experience is going to be filtered through that Christian lens. I'm going to see everything through a biblical framework, right? I'm going to understand the world in, in, a, in a specific way. I'm going to see things as created, and there'll be a distinction between that which is created and the creator, right? 
Um, and so that's the worldview that I have. That Those are the glasses that I'm wearing. Um, but in reality, everyone wears intellectual glasses, so to speak. The atheist has their worldview. I know many atheists will say atheism isn't a worldview. Um, well, okay, atheism, perhaps there's not one atheistic worldview, but but any worldview which does not have the existence of God inherent within it and uh, related to uh, to its system um, is still a particular way of viewing the world, okay? And so if you don't believe in God, then you're going to see the world in light of your disbelief in God or maybe your agnosticism uh, or, you know, whatever form of atheism you might hold. That's going to affect how you see the world, contrary to popular opinion, people say. It doesn't really matter. Um, I think such claims that it doesn't matter, I'm an atheist and that's it. It's not a worldview perspective. It's just my disbelief in, in a God or, you know, maybe I don't know if God exists. What, however the person defines it, the reality is that if God does not exist, that causes you to interpret the world a, a specific way, okay? And, of course, uh, we can let the atheist hash out their particular brand of, uh, of worldview um, glasses, and then you can take it from there. But reality is everyone has glasses, okay? The Muslim sees the world through the Qur'an. The Mormon sees the worldview, or the world, rather, through their lens of their worldview perspective. Maybe about the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, or Doctrines and Covenants, the teachings from their prophets. Um, they will see the world in light of that and will filter their experience through those lenses, okay? Now, this is very important because the reason why the unbeliever and believer disagree is because they're wearing different lenses, okay? Now, let me give you the more technical definition of a worldview. A worldview, technically speaking, is a network of presuppositions in terms of which all reality is interpreted, okay? A network of presuppositions, right, which, by the way, are not themselves validated by some empirical method or some scientific method. These are presuppositions. These are pre-commitments that one holds, and it is upon those commitments, those presuppositions, those are the foundations through which they interpret everything else, okay? So a worldview is a network of presuppositions in terms of which all reality is interpreted, okay? Now, notice what a worldview is. It is a network, a network of presuppositions, right? We have beliefs within our worldview. Our worldview can be seen as a sort of system of beliefs. And the importance of recognizing that a worldview is a network of presuppositions um, highlights the fact that everything we believe is connected to everything else we believe. So it's impossible for one per for a person to believe in one singular thing that is disconnected to other beliefs. Okay, other beliefs give context to other beliefs, and so they are a network. They are connected, and of course, for the Christian, this is very important because from a Christian biblical worldview perspective, we want to understand that the beliefs that we hold from Scripture are a network. Christian, the Christian worldview is a system. It's not just a bunch of disjointed beliefs that we hold. What I believe about the resurrection is connected to what I believe about God, and it's connected to what I believe about what sort of God we're speaking of. Okay, What I believe about the possibility of miracles is connected to my belief about God. What I believe about what a cow is, or a dog is, or what the nature of man is, all of these are connected to my more deeper fundamental commitments, which for the Christian is rooted in a world in which God created these things. And so I see those things as creations of, 
of God. And so my beliefs are connected, and this is a very important feature of uh, a worldview, okay? And so everyone has a worldview. Now, when we're doing apologetics, as we um, read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, where I mentioned the importance of always being ready to give a reason for the hope that's in us, yet doing so with gentleness and respect, the task of apologetics can no doubt be very intimidating because when we're pitting the Christian worldview against the non-Christian worldview, it appears to us that there are countless non-Christian worldview perspectives, and how are we to learn them all? Okay, um, that can be very intimidating. There's a lot to learn, but I like to do uh, things in a way that's kind of more easier to understand. And so I really want to boil things down to what I think is actually the, the, the true nature of the case between the believer and unbeliever. From a Christian perspective, in reality, there, is, there are only two worldviews, the Christian worldview and the non-Christian worldview. And granted, there are many subcategories within the non-Christian worldview, but all of those subcategories like Islam, Mormonism, Buddhism, Hinduism, atheism, agnosticism, all of them share one quality which gives warrant for us to lump them into the, quote, the category of non-Christian worldview. And the thing that they all have in common is the explicit or implicit claim that the Christian worldview is false, okay? If Islam is true, then it is asserting implicitly and in some cases explicitly that the Christian worldview is false, okay? Now, what about something like atheism or agnosticism? Let's take the agnostic, for example. I don't know if God exists. If that's where someone is starting, their worldview comes from an agnostic perspective. Um, that worldview perspective, I don't know that God exists, is actually an implicit assertion that the Christian worldview is false. Now, how is that the case, right? The person says, I don't know. Maybe Christianity is true. Maybe it's not. I don't, I don't know if God exists. That claim itself is a contradictory claim to the Christian claim that in some profound way, all men know that God exists, okay? If we take a look, for example, at Romans chapter 1, okay? And if you have your Bible there, if you're sitting, listening to this, I mean, maybe people listening to the podcast are usually driving or something like that. But if you turn to Romans chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 18 and on, I'm going to read here. It says here, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because what? Because God has shown it to them. Okay, so what, what can be known about God is made plain to them because God himself has shown it. Through his revelation, right? For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Notice what verse 21 says, for although they knew God. How do they know God? Well, what can be known about God is made plain to them. How is it made plain to them? Because God has shown it to them, verse 19, okay? And so you don't even have to agree with that. I mean, if you're an agnostic and you say, well, I don't know God. Well, if that's your claim, regardless if you believe it or, you know, if you believe the Christian claim, the claim, I don't know God exists, is a contradictory claim to the Christian claim that all men know God exists such that they are without excuse, 
Okay. Now, obviously, the agnostic is going to reject the Christian claim, but the point of what I'm saying is that even the claim that I don't know God exists is an implicit claim that the Christian worldview is false since the Christian worldview teaches that all men know God exists because what can be known about him has been made plain to them because of God through the created order. The heavens declare the glory of God. Externally, God has made himself known. You close your eyes and think the fact that you are conscious and a rational being, right, and utilize logic and things like that, that itself within the Christian worldview is a revelation from God. And so the very fact that we are conscious of ourselves means that we are also simultaneously conscious of God in whose image we were created. Again, you don't have to say you hold to that, but if your worldview perspective denies that, then you are denying the truth of the Christian worldview. And so the, the worldview that explicitly asserts Christianity is false is, has much in common with the worldview that says, I don't know if God exists. Because both of those worldview perspectives are the negation of the Christian worldview, okay? And so in essence, there really are only two, but of course in apologetics we'd have to deal with uh, the different subcategories as well. But I, it's very important to kind of think in terms of that because as a Christian, I want to see the world through the lens of the Bible and how, how God has revealed it. And if God has revealed that all men know that God exists such that they're without excuse— then I want to engage the unbeliever um, with the description of the unbeliever as given by God as opposed to the description of the unbeliever as given by the unbeliever, okay? If I want to be consistent here, if God exists, the Bible's true, and he's revealed himself, and he's revealed the nature of the unbelieving heart, then we know that the unbeliever really is not ignorant, but in a very profound sense is suppressing the truth that he knows, He's suppressing it in unrighteousness, and that is, as Romans 1.18 says, that's why the wrath of God is being made known from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth, okay? So very, very important. In essence, there is no neutrality. There is no uh, worldview that's kind of in the middle, right? Uh, there's the Christian worldview, and then there's the non-Christian worldview, and then there's this other worldview over here. Well, I'm not really sure, you know, which one's true or whatever. There's no in-between worldview in which someone is completely neutral in regards to worldview commitments, okay? This is consistent with what the Bible says in regards to uh, what Jesus taught. He says that if you're if you're not against me, if you're not with me, you're, you're against me. If you don't gather with me, you scatter, okay? The nature of the Christian worldview is that it is exclusive in its claims, right? Jesus' teaching does not leave room for middle ground, right? We often say in sermons, right? The, the person cannot have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. For to have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world is to just have both feet in the world since you can't serve two masters, Jesus says, okay? So it's very important to understand everyone has a worldview and there is a great antithesis. There is a great conflict between every manifestation of the non-Christian worldview with the Christian worldview. And noticing those differences is important because it helps us recognize the reason why unbelievers and believers are in disagreement. They are operating on different worldview assumptions. And so from an apologetic standpoint, I think it's very, it's very important to recognize um, the reasons why there's difference. And so what do we do with this difference? You know, where do we go? If, if it's the case that um, 
the unbeliever has a worldview. The Christian has a worldview. I interpret reality in light of my worldview. He interprets reality in light of his worldview. And so where do we go from there? Uh, can we move on from there? Then what, at that point, what's the point of engaging in the un- with the unbeliever since none of us are going to be moved since we are operating on different worldview uh, frameworks? Okay. Well, for that, I will say for another episode, how do we break the tie, so to speak, between the two competing interpretive worldview systems, right? Um, so we'll address that in another podcast. But for now, I think it's important to recognize that what a worldview is, it's a view of the world, a network of presuppositions in terms of which all reality is interpreted. It's important to recognize that everyone has a worldview. And uh, and at the same time, not only does everyone have a worldview, in essence, there really are only two worldviews, the Christian one and the non-Christian one. And with all the diversity that the non-Christian one can can manifest and all the different uh, multifaceted forms it can manifest, they all have one thing in common, namely the implicit or explicit negation of the Christian worldview, okay? And so that's very, very important. So there's no such thing as a worldview that doesn't make any claims about anything, right? Um, there are claims, implicit or explicit, within worldview assumptions, and, and for an apologetic context, that's a very, very important thing to recognize, okay? Well, um, at this point, I don't want to get into the issue of uh, where I just kind of left you hanging, right? If, if everyone has a worldview and we interpret everything in light of those, uh, those intellectual frameworks, where do we go from there? I don't want to move into that. We'll save that for another episode. Well, I hope uh, this is um, uh, helpful and beneficial uh, for Christians who may be listening. And um, well, I guess I'll talk to you guys later. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening to Revealed Apologetics. If you have any questions that you would like me to answer um, on one of our podcast episodes, please feel free to send in your question uh, at revealedapologetics at gmail.com.